0: The holy spirit is likely the most misunderstood person of the trinity there are a variety of reasons this is true but most simply it's because of a misunderstanding of the word spirit and what it does and doesn't mean comparatively speaking when we say father or son we naturally understand the personhood and also the role of each of those persons but spirit isn't so natural to us most of the time when we hear of spirits it's often in the context of some sort of force or power But this limited view is not at all how the Holy Spirit is to be understood. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, co-equally God with the Father and Son, and yet distinct in personhood and function. For example, in Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit is clearly present and active in the act of bringing into creation the heavens and the earth and all that dwells in them. This logically means that the Holy Spirit is not a created being, but rather eternally existent with the Father. And John chapter 1 makes it clear that the Son was present and active in eternity past as well. This means creation is a Trinitarian act accomplished in unity by Father, Son, and Spirit. But this isn't the only place in Scripture that we see the Holy Spirit acting or being referred to as God. In Acts 5.3, the Apostle Peter confronts a man named Ananias who has just lied about how much money he received from selling a piece of land and then conflating how much money he was tithing from the cell. What is interesting is the way in which Peter admonishes him. He says, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? If the Holy Spirit isn't God, then Peter is breaking the first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we have this commandment because sin is first and foremost disobedience to God. So it seems clear to Peter, and it should be clear to us, that the sin of lying is a sin against God, which is a sin against the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And to sin against any is to sin against all. Though we will look at the work of the Holy Spirit in greater depth in the next episode, I would be remiss to not mention the clearly evident deity of the Holy Spirit in bringing about the salvation of God in men and women. One of the clearest examples is Jesus's interaction with Nicodemus in John 3, where Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born of the Spirit. Here, it's being made clear that the Spirit isn't second or third string in the act of redemption. He is co-equally at work in God's ordered act of bringing about regeneration in the hearts of unregenerate sinners. The conclusion that the Bible leads us to, in very clear terms, is that the Holy Spirit is God. Meaning the person of the Holy Spirit shares all of the attributes of God and is therefore to be not only revered as God, but worshiped as God. The Holy Spirit isn't simply a helpful force in our life that we can call upon in our time of need. Certainly we can do that, but what we need to see is that the Holy Spirit is God in all of his glory in us. We must be aware that a misunderstanding of the person of the Holy Spirit can have dire results in our spiritual life. We can find ourselves attributing to the Spirit acts that are not at all biblical. For instance, there have been movements that revolve around the supernatural work of the Spirit, which promise to bring about material blessing. But there's also a danger of undervaluing the work of the Spirit to the point that we see no room for supernatural work in our lives and the lives of others. In order to combat these false notions of the Spirit, we must be people of the Word. But if we are to be people of the Word, then we must be people of the Spirit. Jesus tells us in John 16, 13, that when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide us into all truth. Indeed, the Spirit has come, not as a mere footman to serve us in our Christian life, but to bring about the glory of God in us and through us.